Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Cause it rained on your parade Seems nobody cares about you anyway Now you're living your life like a castaway Search for strength inside Was it all in vain? Cause the deeper you dig You find more and more pain Don't let your tomorrow be like All right, well, I want to welcome everyone to be on the Seattle Network Martin, your host I want to thank you guys for being here with me. I'm your host, Marcia Patterson. For your health, I'm hoping everyone be blessed this week. This is a blessed week, and it's a Sunday. We're alive. And I am so grateful for my guest being with me, and I'm blessed to have her back on because I know how busy she is. Nana Setti. It's Nana Setti, right? Yes, you have it right. I give thanks, yes. Marcia. I really give thanks. I am I am blessed to have you on. I know you got a baby coming. Tonight we're going to be talking about midwives for today. And I just wanted to pull on your your knowledge, your wisdom, and your skills of what you've been doing for so many years and helping women to give birth to bring this most precious thing we have is our children and to bring forth those babies. I just want to thank you for being on our show today. Um I know you got some time and you got a baby waiting for you, maybe coming out because they have their own watch and time. So I'm grateful yes. for your time today. Without any further ado, because I know you will be um, leaving us soon, I want you to first give information about who you are, what you're doing as a midwife, and how you got into it. Then I have a few questions because of COVID-19, how you're doing the birth, to kind of explain that to the next generation of young people who may be interested in having a midwife during their birth. All right. So how did I get interested? Um, I guess it would say it started as a child. And what watching my grandparents, especially my grandmothers, um, uh, on one side of the family, I am the oldest grandchild. So part of this was my coming of age and understanding the process of family and what that means. Um, the other part is that I have grandmothers that are healers. So when you have healers as grandparents or parents or aunts and uncles, they kind of take you under their wing because part of this is training uh, to assist you in your growth and development. Um, so I guess I was in early training and behind the early training, I felt the need to, um, continue on with the work. You don't know how it's going to look as time goes on, but you do it because that's your purpose and your passion. So in this journey, I've come across many families, and through the families I've come across, um, just the idea that we want to continue our family scenario. We don't want anything to separate families because that's easily done in So um, my work is about making sure the connection of the mommy being healthy, but the father being healthy, 
healthy, which means the child has a better opportunity to stay healthy and not be loaded down with vaccines, not be loaded down with a lot of um, unnecessary health challenges that can be avoided. Um, And so my journey has been of delivering um, what is called a grand midwife and also of um, teaching. So I teach women, those who have the desire to want to be midwives, I teach them the art of midwifery. Um, so it's a, it's a process. It's not an overnight kind of class. It is where you have a long-term commitment to being of this purpose of mind, body, and spirit uh, and guiding the women. We are empowering the women, not comforting. That's what the husband does, the complementarian. That's what the grandmother does. The midwife empowers the woman to recognize her strength and her power within her wow. during this most sacred time. This so, sounds yes, so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Now, if a young lady wants to have a midwife, do you look at diet? How do they go about, how do you go about interviewing the mother and the parents um, on coming on board? Or do they interview you or is, or is it vice, you know, you know, back and forth? They ask questions, you ask questions, and see if there's a good match for you guys to work together. That is correct. So I I look at, now, we don't have perfect diets. We've been raised certain ways. Some of us have made journeys to change our diet. So one of the things I find is that I do a check and balance if they're not drinking enough water. So the assessment is to find out how they're eating now, and then from there I go in to put a cap on the things, some of the things they need to stop. Um, Eating pork is not good. Um, And they recognize that they have old habits. And so we talk about how to make those changes, not anything drastic, but to make changes to uplift again, to empower the women to eat better, which means they raise their family with the least amount of health challenges. So it's going in and looking at, okay, you're drinking water? What kind of water? How often? It's looking at what do you take in in the morning? What do you eat? Do you take in a smoothie? Are you eating um, uh, breakfast? Are you eating lunch and dinner? We've been raised with eating three meals a day. And sometimes we need the three meals and sometimes we don't. So I look at how to make the adjustment on where the mommy's at at that given time and then how to improve on it or if it is already improved, just to make sure she's maintaining. Most of the time, it's really about encouraging them to get their leafy green vegetables in, get a variety of fruits. This is summertime now, perfect time to get a variety of fresh fruits in, Um, um, and also making sure that we're uh, alleviating the term we use is stress, but alleviating a lot of challenges that – are not conducive to our well-being, and how we do that is by focusing on our breathing, um, also being able to get out in the fresh air. So food is important, the water is important, um, the ability to be able to think clearer, and to be able to work with family members on this journey. Because even though the women might want the midwives, maybe their mothers are not are seeing that as something that could be they don't understand the process because we don't hear of midwifery. 
like we hear of OBGYN or medical doctors or nurse practitioners or nurse midwives. And because we don't hear of midwives, we think whoever's doing that is not so brilliant. Why would somebody want to do that? But it's continuing right. a very ancient practice. So sometimes it's not only the diet straight with the mother, but it's also talking to the family members that are not clear on exactly what a midwife does. So you're educating the whole family. The, the whole family is being educated about the midwife because a lot of times, like you said, if the mom is accustomed to making certain meals, now the daughter telling her, I can't eat that, I need to eat this, I need to eat more healthier, and especially, like, I know our family used to love to consume a lot of sugar, you know, the sugar with the yeah. Kool-Aid, the, all the stuff. And now you're t- they're learning that this isn't healthy while you're pregnant or even after you're pregnant. These are there's some foods that you need to feed the baby while it's in the womb. And you're Correct. introducing to families these whole foods that is natural, that build, build up the baby's muscles, strengthen the baby's brain, uh, to help the baby to thrive once it's outside the womb. That is correct. And when they're doing that before the baby comes, they'll tend to want to keep the process going when the child, the baby is growing, and they are making changes in their lifestyle also. So it's a win-win for everybody. Nobody gets left out in the process. What? How many months or how many weeks do you normally start working with new moms and dads or parents that's having a baby? What? How many weeks pregnant do you um, recommend to start helping families with this journey? As soon as the mommy finds out she's pregnant. That's when it should start. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. I sometimes just meet people who are in the throes of looking for somebody, and we connect. They already have decided that we're going to work together, and they're due. So it it really behooves you to have as much time as possible to strengthen yourself and get as much work in because this is work. It's not just you go in and have a baby. You have to take some responsibility as the mother, not the mother-to-be, the mother to making sure you're taking care of yourself the best you can. And those tools come early. Yeah, because a midwife helps during pregnancy, labor, after birth, and then you also help with the baby care. Educating the mom how to care for the baby. So all those different steps helps the mom and the family by educating them from a nutritional standpoint, from a nurturing standpoint, also from an emotional standpoint, because sometimes mothers can be going through depression or PS, uh, what they call that, postpartum. And so you're educating families what to look for and how to see that. Is that true, too? Well, I don't get, see, here's the thing. Postpartum comes from women birthing in a hospital. And the reason that really? is because, yes, uh, let me explain that. <clears throat> You are, are not on a friendly basis with the doctor. Basically, you come in, you see the nurse, they take and do what they need to do. The doctor comes through, maybe for the visit, maybe not. And then you go into labor, you see the doctor, but there is not a close relationship. In a midwife, it's sometimes a surrogate mother, a surrogate grandmother. I get to know the ins and outs of the family, not for their business, 
to see where there are areas that could come up as a challenge. Maybe a family is looking to move. Maybe a family is all kinds of possibilities. So we, we delve into that. I get to know your business because in order for me to make sure I'm giving you the best care, I have to see the areas that need to be addressed, not just your nutrition, your body, your mind, and your spirit. So I don't get postpartum blues, and I don't think any many other midwives do that because you're spending time. Wow. My visits, my visits are a good two hours, and I not only assess, but we talk a little, we get to know each other, we talk about health, we talk about other things because we're, we're bonding. We're making our connection so they get to know when I need them to do something, when I'm joking, when I'm serious. So there's a very strong connection. Either they love me or they don't love me at all. They don't like me. And um, so, and I, you know, I recognize this over the years, and it's because I have to understand what's going on, what's going on in her head. So when I see her losing focus in labor, I know where that's coming from. Her mind is traveling. She's come out of her space of inward healing and pulling in something else. So partum doesn't set in. Now, that doesn't mean challenges don't come forward because other family members are not helping or assisting in the postpartum time. But on the whole, it's based on the postpartum is based on unmet needs during pregnancy, during, before pregnancy, and those unmet needs are now coming forward, and the mommy has this time on her hands while she's healing, so then it becomes depressing. This is a joyous time, and everybody's in celebration, and everybody is enjoying the sacredness. Wow. So it doesn't have the same look as a hospital birth. Hospital, you might get to know a nurse or two on the time you have the baby, but you, they don't know you. And there are friendly right. nurses and nice nurses and nurses that are not so friendly and nice because of things going on in their lives. I, on the other hand, as well as probably other midwives, need that energy of yours and you need mine and we need to know when something is going on so you know my expression when I'm saying I need you to do something. I know your expression when I need you to do something. So a bond is created, and we talk. We do a lot of talking, and the talking is of sharing and assisting. There's something else that they need that has nothing to do with midwifery, but I connect them to where that is. Or if I don't connect them, then somebody else I recommend somebody connect them. So um, it's a lot of it's a tighter bond, and um, it's something the women are looking for because they need that nurturing. They are nurturing their child, but they also need nurturing. And that's the mother, grandmother um, uh, embodiment that happens that the midwife has. And the older the midwife, um, who has done a long time, tends to have more of that in her because she knows that is what's needed. So it's like a a mother and daughter um, relationship that they can speak to each other. And that's what comes forward, you know that they can speak, and they feel good after all of that intense work because they are enjoying um, this new family member that has been welcomed in. 
So I don't get the postpartum blues. That is, I don't have to because we talk, you know. How long you been doing this midwife? How many years have you been? And then how many babies have you given birth or do you count them or you stop counting? No, I count them. I don't count them. I count the years. I don't count the babies. When I was younger, I counted them because that's what you do. You want to, you know, it's like a badge of honor. I don't, I don't ha- I'm not proving anything. I, I enjoy the work. So I started when I was 25 and now I'm in my early. 70. So, uh, less than 50 years, 45, 47. I even uh-huh. stopped counting. So, it's been over 40 years, <laughs> right on And you look great. Okay. You look great. Yes, ma'am. Thanks. But, you know, <laughs> one thing I'm concerned and the reason why I have you on, because I bet a lot of young ladies, seem like there's a baby boom going on, but seem like everywhere I'm turning, somebody's pregnant. I've seen a, a yes. little belly everywhere. Somewhere. And yeah. I don't know if this stay-at-home order has caused people to consummate their uh, relationship or whatever, but they like pregnant <laughs> women are everywhere. But And I'm meeting so many young women who have never heard of doula and midwives. Um, how do we get this message out, especially here in Atlanta, because Atlanta, we're supposed to be number one with black women dying in childbirth. And what is the problem and why are we losing so many of these women giving birth here just in Georgia right now? Well, now I have to say this, that these are women who are birthing in the hospital. We don't have the high numbers in home birth. That doesn't mean that that women don't transition or babies don't transition. That the masses of women that go to hospitals of color are not being taken care of properly. They probably come into the hospital with very intense health challenges, um, emotional um, traumas that have not been addressed. Um, they're working through things that were going going on as in childhood, teenage, and so all of this is wearing on their body. Um, they become pregnant, and the nurses and doctors don't have the time. This is a business. Um, hospitals are a business. Um, so the business has to keep moving on. So women leave the hospital. They have to come back in two to three days, which makes no sense whatsoever. You need to be home healing. Um, they're out and about, and they feel like they can do whatever they need to do because they've been drugged. And when you feel like you can get up and start doing the health abilities, you are um, – taking your body and wearing on the organs that need its heat and rest. It needs heat and rest. It gets neither. And so they're being set up. Um, Okay, so it it stems from um, that we are not considered, um, we're not considered human. We don't have a value. And a lot of our women don't feel good about themselves. And that's because of our complexion, how we look. And so all of this stems from where's on us. All of this stems from how this country was started, and it's continually going on. Racism is alive and well, and it's known that when people of color are introduced into the world of racism, which they're born into, then they're going to be having health, mental health issues. That added on to a pregnancy, that added on to not eating well, 
that added on to not being taken care of properly adds for women transitioning at the drop of a hat. And because, and then we don't have the midwives. Georgia had between 4,000 and 9,000 midwives in the 40s, 30s, 20s. They got rid of the midwives by the 50s. This wasn't an issue. The midwives are the caring nurturers that not only give the mother and grandmother energy, they do the healing work. That's missing. There is no healing work in a hospital. They will tell you, you're not here to heal. You're here, and we monitor you. We check you every so many hours. You can't sleep. You can't get healing. People come in to visit you. You need rest. The whole setup is really not in our best interest. So that's why there's a high mortality rate. We are not, and we are being sent with health issues. And we don't have nowhere to turn to, or we don't have the money to get it. And um, we're left at the mercy of what is left out here. Wow. And, you know, I listened to this woman. Her name is Patricia Lofman. She was certified nurse and midwife board member of ACNM. And she said, and she was an African-American woman, and she said midwives of color protecting women from a system that is hostile to women giving birth today in hospitals. It's hostile. And I'm yes. oh, my goodness, hostile. She used the word hostile. And you, you interesting, yes. you said that early, early years, it was nothing but African-American women that was midwives in the early years of going into women's home and helping these women. And as the 1950 and early years in hospital came around, it's a business. They demonized that these midwives, I mean, one doctor had put down the, the typical grind finger midwife with pocket full of snuff and her nails dirty, de- demonizing us or unsanitary, mm-hmm. unclean, or barbaric way of giving birth. Yes. And the best way to do it is to go into the hospitals and then have it professionally done to have mm-hmm. your baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that shifted, they said, in the 1970s. Then you had the more Caucasian, the women, the white women now are giving, wanting to have their babies at home and the work, and that they've taken over that industry in the early 70s where the midwives were uh, Caucasian women. And now we can see that we need this because when I'm looking at this study, uh, in other countries, they don't have the mortality rates that we have here in the United States. That is correct. And and the midwives in some of those countries, like they said, uh, Sweden, um, Denmark, and France, 75% of the babies are born or overseas by midwives, 75% of the babies born in these countries. In the U.K., about half the babies in the U.K., and plus um, um, the one, Prince Harry, not Prince Harry's brother and his wife, had a midwife, and that half of the babies are born in the U.K. with um, midwives, and only 10% in the U.S. Now, I don't know if that number gone up. Uh, they said from 1990 to 2017, um, the country that has midwives, more mortality rate was much more lower than uh, those who did. So yeah. those midwives are there to identify the problem. Un- identify, um the pain because a lot of these women um, 
they may be bleeding or having internal bleeding or having certain pain, you're able to identify what's going on and knowing to address that. So are you, do you go in the hospital? Where are you working with parents? Do you go where mothers want you to go, like at the hospital, birthing center? Where do you show up or most of your home visits? They're all home visits. Um, the hospital, I am not a – I could go in. I could go in, but that's not what I do. These are women who want to have a home birth. They want nothing to do with the hospital, basically. Now, they might go to doctor visits because they want to do something before they need a midwife. Um, Mm -hmm. And while they're looking, they'll do hospital visits. They don't want to birth in a hospital. And so those that are determined, they look, they look. Um, That doesn't mean I haven't gone in. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had women who have gone in the hospital because they didn't do all the things they needed to do. And so the wasn't an emergency, but it wasn't. It's kind of like this in-between state that they're willing to be drugged. They changed their mind. They thought they were strong enough to maintain the ability to be empowered. Um, We've been conditioned. So that conditioning is still in us. And as much as we want to do what we know is correct, we have to work through a lot of times. And if I, when I get the women and I don't get them as early as possible, then they have to work through their emotional trauma of the doctors of the hospital, so there there are there are different ways that I work with women, but a hundred percent of the time, if not all the time, it is home, and that's the purpose of that. It's cleaner at home because we make sure we keep it clean. It's healthier; mm-hmm. the mommies don't have to up and go somewhere else after they have the baby. Um, so it's really about taking control of your life as best you can, Mm -hmm. has been given to us. This is century old. Home birthing is not a new type of birthing process. It is what we did before we allowed ourselves to be taken in and duped and to accept what the doctors say, knowing some of it doesn't make sense. Some of it might make sense, but it doesn't. And the women can't ask questions. They have to do what they're being told to do. Um, and it's in taking their power away. And if there are doctors listening that are OBGYN, I am not apologizing for anything I say because this is something <laughs> that women um, honor. This is part of their body, and they need to understand that right. they are responsible for their body and that we don't wait for some um, doctor to tell us what it is we need to do. Now, it's different if we don't understand what's going on with organs that are having challenges. You need somebody that can tell you what's going on, but not to control you where you don't, you know, you're not able. For instance, women go in, and if they're not drinking enough fluid, will not have enough fluid around the baby. So instead of a, a doctor wow. understanding that increase your coconut water, drink more water, they tell you, well, we're going to go ahead and induce you and take the baby, which logically you don't have to take any baby. You just get the mommy to be empowered to strengthen herself. That is not done. And because that is not done, women are left to her, their own devices. They say, yes, I haven't been drinking much. And they feel like the doctor is going to 
be the one to take care of them. That's not always, that doesn't always happen. There might be doctors who are concerned, but there are too many women not making it, you know, through the childbearing years because um, the doctors are not doing more. And they're not doing more because they don't have time to do more. This is a business. It is not the sacredness of having a baby. It is a business that makes money. And you have to move the people out so they can make more money. Now, when a lady's giving birth with you, are they laying down? Are they in a birthing chair? Are they in a, or do they have water birth? If that's the family all option. The above. They don't? Yeah, all of the above. I don't let them lay down because you don't go to the bathroom laying down. That's going against gravity. So they might be standing <gasps> oh. or as they could be sitting over the toilet. I've had births over the toilet. The baby did not hit the water. Um, we know how to get up. Um, I've had women squatting, standing straight up, propped up on a bed. Nobody's laying flat. You do not go to the bathroom laying flat. You do not deliver a baby laying flat. They could be in the water. They could be on the bed, propped up. They could be in a chair. They could be, oh, I've had many different ways that women have birthed. And all of them have been to their betterment, and they feel they feel the difference. They feel stronger. After all of that, they feel stronger. Wow. What about, do, do, is, is there such a thing where they hold a rope and stand and kind of squat too while they're giving they, birth? They can do that. Usually, I don't always have a rope. So either they have a partner, they have their, I call them a complementarian. They're the loved one who is with them. They support them. They hold them. And while they're squatting, the uh, a student who's studying, um, all of that is part of the process. So, yes, um, they don't have to hold the rope. It is good to hold a hand, um, get supported um, by your complementarian where he supports your body while you are in that posture. And that's that is the strength that women have because they have that. But there are women we, you can use different props to help the process. Now, would the labor be easier and much shorter going and being by standing as opposed to laying down? Well, laying down doesn't, I don't want to say shorter because we don't know what labor is supposed to be. There is no time. Labor is the body doing what it needs to do. So there is no clock inside your body. So it depends on women. Like I've had women who have gone to the hospital prior pregnancies, and they've been cut on, theotomy, they've had C-sections. So a labor has its own time. The body knows what to do. So a labor could be long. It could be short. I've had three-day labors. I've had labors that are 18 hours, 15 hours. The labor is the time that the woman needs um, for the baby to do what the baby needs to do and for the woman's body service to open and dilate. So there is no time. Doctors, they have a time. Babies don't have a clock nor a calendar. So they know when to <laughs> Definitely don't have calendars. I haven't heard of one yet. So if there is, let me wow. know. Okay. Now, when the baby comes out and at home birth, do you allow the placenta to, uh, and the baby to stay attached to the placenta until it stop pulsating, or how does that oh, yeah. work? Yes. Now, I've been doing that since I started. 
Now they call it delayed. I, I don't get where the term is. That's what, how I was trained. You don't cut it. The blood has to still flow. So, yes, and after the flowing of the blood, the pulsation stops, you clamp, and then you can cut. But you always wait. Um, but now they have terminology that goes with the process. So I find I that... You call it delay clamping or something like that? That That's the way I've been doing it. I just tell them that's my process of clamping and cutting after the pulsation starts. That's just how I've learned to do the art of um, the birthing process. I've never cut it while it's still pulsating. Mm-mm. Um, doctors are recognizing that. That's, and that's so it goes in science journals. So we read stuff and repeat what um, has been going on way before the doctors recognize you need to wait. Wow. Now, what about the afterbirth? There's some women doing different things with their afterbirth and stuff like that. Do you work with women where they're um, uh, putting stuff on the afterbirth and um, saving the afterbirth? Okay. So sometimes women want what they call a lotus birth, and that's when you don't cut the cord. And before I – when we're having a discussion of, you know, the different ways you want to birth, whether in the water, whether outside, I've had women birth outside, I've had women birth inside. Um, we talk about the different things you can do, and I don't suggest, I just share with them these are things that women have done. I have done a lotus birth with one of my children, um, and the lotus birth is when the baby comes, then the cord, of course, and then the placenta goes in a bowl, and people have different ideas what to do with the placenta whether they put the herbs, I do, um, but it definitely needs to be in something that can sustain it, and then the herbs, um, um, <clears throat> because the placenta was the home, and because it was the home, it held the waste. It held the waste from the baby. So there are some women who have read that if you um, dry the placenta out and then chop it up and have it encapsulated, it will give you your blood extra strength. Now, I can't say it does or doesn't. I do know that everybody is not healthy, and that placenta it needs to be healthy. And if there's more white right. in the placenta, that's not a healthy placenta. So you're getting an unhealthy placenta. You're eating the waste from the child. It's not a oh, feasible wow. thing. Yeah, that's the waste. Where do you think the waste goes? The the oh, yeah. placenta change. It's the mother's side, the maternal side, and the infant side, and the waste gets absorbed in those um, um, clots that are in there. It manifests itself. Some of it comes through you. Some of it comes into the placenta. I don't recommend. I have dried some of them, encapsulated, but the smell is horrific, and so I know I'm not just smelling dry blood. It it's died. Its purpose is over. Now, that is my personal thing. Its purpose is Mm -hmm. over. I don't encapsulate, especially when I know it's an unhealthy placenta. And that means it's not good. That makes no sense to take in something that doesn't give you life and it's healthy. You know, just dehydrating any placenta is not always the best thing. And we, we follow. We tend to follow. Oh, I read this. I want to do this, but you've got to understand what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. 
I, you know, I, I am not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying that we need to be able to. Yes, we need to understand what we're doing and not just follow people just for the sake of following. So you are more informed on what's really going on. When I work with my family, we do a lot of talking um, and things that you think they would know, they don't um, because it just hasn't dawned on them to even ask or to even check into it. Um, So... I just feel that we need to understand the process of what you're dehydrating and why you need to take it in. Um, You know, if you were freezing it, um, I still have questions on it because we we haven't taken care of ourselves all the way. And that's, it's in that home right there. It's in that placenta and it's dying. It's, it's, it's use is over with. So we need to like, let it go. Plant it. Used to do that a long time ago. Plant. You want to give it its own home so the child can come back to that. Plant it in a plant, a tree, put the dirt. That's what you can do with the placenta. But I think we feel like, yeah, and watch the tree or the plant grow behind it. It can go back to the earth. Wow. Wow. That's, I like that. I like that idea to, to plant it, put it under the tree. I mean, to do that. Now, with um, African American women, women high blood pressure, uh, obesity. Um, how do we address that in pregnancy? High blood pressure again is the diet and what is bothering us. And um, you can't. Not, I don't want to say you can't. You should not look to make changes overnight. So you have to use different tools. You have the foods. You have to eat um, cucumbers. When cucumbers start having yellow on the underside, that's the time you eat the cucumber. Garlic, not a whole lot, but garlic helps the blood pressure. Cutting back on the meat or leaving the meat out, it taxes our bodies. Um, not using table salt, so um, Himalayan sea salt. There are different types of Salts you can use, you can use um, uh, seaweed, dulse, and wakame. We have to make changes, and we also our lifestyle. We have to get out in the, in the weather, uh, breathe. we got to function on our breathing. Uh, we need to walk. Don't park right up in front of the store. Park in the back of the parking lot and walk. <laughs> we, have become, and we have become lazy for the reason of it's convenient. We've got places to go and things to do, but we're not giving ourselves. And when something is bothering you, put it in a place that you can share it with somebody, that it's bothering you, the person who is affecting you. You need to sit and talk. Now, I know that doesn't always happen all the time, but you've got to find a way to release that and focus on your breathing. Um, The outside movement is good. You know, have some flowers um, at home. See the happy side. Be in gratitude. These are different tools that do not take a lot of work to help yourself. Sometimes we are upset because we don't have things that we want. We don't see things happening the way we would like it to happen. Yes, so we be in gratitude. It's not time now. Um, it's really making mm-hmm. some changes in how we look at ourselves in our lives. And um, do they have herbs? They have essential oils. You can... Uh, burn and aromatherapy that makes you feel
feel good, and all of that helps break up that stress. The eating is one part, the exercise is another, the fresh air, breathing and really expanding and breathing lower, and just being able to get the tools at your disposal, excuse me, and the herbs in your presence so that you can, you know, help the process. So it's a work in progress. It's not going to go away overnight, and it does take a while. If something is, we use the term stressing us, Something is stressing us. Let's get to what it is so we know what we need to do to start making that less of a stressor. Now, how are you, how are we handling COVID-19 in midwives today? I mean, how do you work with your patients? Uh, is it virtual or you uh, actually, you, you just kind of check each other's temperature and then mask up? How is it done today? I don't do any of masking up when I'm at their house because the women know they are, the women who are pregnant who want a home birth know they're high risk, so they don't go out. I've been seeing families that other than the father going out to go to the store or them calling up Uber Eats, whoever they need to call to bring their food process. Mm -hmm packaging to them, they do that. So I don't get the, the women who are out there. Um, I don't see, I see families who are really concerned about not being caught up in that. And so they're home. And the temperature, when I do the assessment, I don't have to do all of that because these are people who are concerned about their health and well-being. So they're not going right. to open themselves up to that. So they look at life a little differently. Um um, I'm not wearing a mask when I go inside their home because we got to talk. Now, I've had some couples right. come to me with a mask. But on the whole, during the COVID-19, these women are not going anywhere. So they, they don't have an opportunity now. If they got to go out, they don't even go. I don't hear women going. I really hear the husband um, making the store stops or other family members, and then they wear the mask. So... I don't get that same kind of um, outlook with the women. I get the women being concerned about not stepping out the door or going out in the yard maybe, but not including themselves in the everyday process. Everybody's been in quarantine. They have followed those orders. My thing is I have to make sure, and then they're taking care of themselves. They're upping their immune builders. They're not sitting home. They're doing things for themselves and their family. I, on the other hand, have to make sure I keep my immune system going because during COVID-19, I haven't been able to be quarantined because I've been getting calls. So um, I think out of the two or three months, I've had two days where I've actually been home. So COVID-19 may have keep you more busy because people may be more afraid of going to the hospital as opposed to um, just They'd rather be at home as opposed to being in a hospital at this time. Correct. They do. They don't like the. Okay, so I've had women who say nobody can come in the room with me. I've had women who say um, I don't feel comfortable with the doctors and nurses. I've had women who say I, I'm not doing this because they're gonna. What are they gonna do to the baby? They're more afraid of something happening to their family going to the, into the hospital mm -hmm. and to them or to the baby. And so they don't know where the doctors are going to put them. Then I have some women who are not afraid. They'll go in the hospital. But I've gotten quite a few calls um, from the women who definitely, if they, 
Now, they wanted to do a home birth, but this has made it even more possible for them because they now say, I don't want to step anywhere near a hospital. Right, right. I can understand that. Now, how many women or do you have women where you have to uh, transfer them to a regular doctor because of the health issues as opposed to you doing the help them with the birth? Um I'm a naturopathic physician also, so I kind of wear, I'll call it wraps. I kind of wear two head wraps, and one is a a traditional midwife, and the other is a naturopathic physician. The naturopathic physician um, deals with the body as a whole element, and the healing is done. So when they have health challenges, unless they're already seeing a practitioner, I work with them. Now, sometimes I recommend women to get chiropractic adjustment um, if their body's off alignment. So um, it depends. It's not a one-size-fits-all. We work on our health challenges. That's why it's important to see them as early as possible. Um, So I don't transport. I'll say um, your body is off alignment, and these are the yoga and the belly dance exercises, but you might need to see a chiropractor, and I'll name a chiropractor for them um, or an acupuncturist, um, but it's only a holistic practitioner. I don't send women. The purpose they're coming to me is not to be sent back to a medical doctor. They don't want anything to do with the doctor. Right. Yeah, because medical doctors, um, they have they, they work about emergency surgery, uh, C-section, and then, too, like you said, they don't have a time. They have a time frame. When you meet with your patient, you indicated you with them for two hours. When you go into your OGBYN, you're in there for 30 minutes or less, and you're out there office. Yes. And it, there's no relationship. There's no com- conversation, not even talking about stress or whatever is going on. So, like you said, and that's what I'm hearing about these women that said the reason why they do it they had midwives is because of the personal relationship, um, mm-hmm. the time, being able to have that conversation with someone, their fears, their anxieties, uh, the, their desires on how they will have an ideal birth, uh, want to know what other women's birth was like so you can share your stories of what other women have gone with and give people ideas because if you knew you have no concept of what to look forward to or what's going on, so and to be educated, other women have done successfully and what the outcome has been, that's great because we don't get that in the hospital. And then people said, you know, talking with you, uh, talking with uh, midwives and having someone as a support. I know one lady, they've got more and more hospital now that has birthing centers. Now, doctors yeah. don't go to birthing centers, but, but you um, have you been to birthing centers too yet? Or just, no, you said just home birth. You said home birth. But I know okay, that's getting real own birthing, Doctors own birthing centers. They're the ones that own it. Doctors are not going to relinquish their power. Oh, Doc- oh, you're kidding me. They own that just like they own dialysis. Oh. They own okay. the birthing centers. The nurse... The nurse practitioner might have her name on the practice. They have to work with doctors. They don't run that on a free, um, I have a carte blanche to do what I want. 
they are connected to medical doctors and medical doctors own it. This is not the kind of society where they're honest. They are owned by some doctors, you know, and uh, certified pra- the certified practicing midwife doesn't have the final say. Wow. So I don't have a need to go in the birthing centers for the women that birth there, they birth there, and they have a, sit- a-, a setup. You know, they have their own protocol. They're still with protocol. They might not give them the heavy drugs, but um, they're still, and if things are not doing as well, then they have to go to the hospital because they're hooking, they're connected in some way, shape, or form, and there's a doctor or doctors that own the birthing center. Wow. Now, one thing I think a lot of people said, the reason they really love midwives because it's unlimited support 24-7. Um, That's right. They're there before and after the birth, helping the mother with the baby because once you send home from the hospital, that's it. And that way you educate the mom how to latch, how the baby should latch on. If the baby's not feeding right, a lot of times mothers will give up uh, breastfeeding. And it's so important for them to learn how to be patient with that baby, learning to latch on and to get that milk. Because some babies will, I know with my youngest one, she would latch on, and then she go to sleep, mm-hmm. and then I put her down, and then she cry again, and then you're up and down and up and down, and so on. Being able to have someone that has that wisdom, that knowledge to say, "No, baby, this is what you're supposed to do," you know, yes. wake the baby up, shake his little head, or move them so their little jaws can start. And yes. uh, colostrum, yes. it's, it's, so colostrum, you know, the first milk. For every mammal is so important because that helps build up the baby immune system. And by you educating moms what food to put in the womb and inside your cell system before you're pregnant, while you're pregnant, that helps build up your immune system. And now you got this healthy milk that you're going to give to your baby once he comes out your womb. Because after they come out, do you latch them onto the breast right away or just onto the mother's chest when they come out? To the breast, both. They're on the chest automatically. So um, depending on the position the mommy's on, there's excitement. There's all that good energy. So once the excitement has mellowed a little, we get the baby to the breast. Now, automatically, they're going to be on the chest. So it's a combination of the chest and the breast right at the same time. And then if they're we're needing to get the placenta out, then sometimes we hold off and the baby's on the mommy's chest. And we get the placenta out. But at some point, you know, there's, there's a lot going on at the same time. Um, so it's part of to assess what do we need to do first. Is the mommy comfortable? We've been in the water for a little while. Do we need to get out and get her to the bed? Has the placenta come out? So there's a little process that goes on. It's assessing what do we need. But that baby goes right on the chest. Once the baby is out, even if the placenta is not out yet, Baby goes on the chest, and then we get her ready to start the nursing process. Now, with I know with back in the days, people didn't even have to worry about high medical bills or hospital bills and stuff like that to have their babies back in the days when they had their babies at home. Now, I know there's a fee for midwives, but that fee is relatively really small compared to having a baby in the hospital. Isn't that correct? That is so correct. They break down everything 
when you put your baby on the chest, that's a charge. When they have to, when they put the baby on your chest, that's a charge. When when they monitor every time the nurse comes in and uh, does feedback, she looks at the monitors and see. They have to chart. The charting means that they will get paid because they have to be proficient in the charting process. Everything has a price on it. Everything is being charged, and that's what they do. The midwife is basically saying, this is my time, my knowledge, and I am giving you this price because that's what would help me to do what I need to do so I can give to your family and then you in turn helping my family. So it's an exchange. It's not a minimize, I'm going to calculate, okay, I've been with them for so many hours. I I could be with somebody um, a long duration during labor. My visits might be long. Um, Some visits might be a little shorter because I have other women to see. Still, in the long run, it's based on the fact that we are working together and we have a symbiotic relationship. And this is what I feel I need. And in return, you get my time, my knowledge, and the things that I offer to you. And I write on the paperwork that I give the women, what do you feel my responsibilities are? What are your responsibilities? And how do you envision this? So I can see where they're at and we can understand, they can understand what I'm offering. And in return, I understand where they're at to know where the needs are need to be fulfilled on my end to their end. Um, So, yes, it is a big difference birthing in a hospital. Okay. Now, and I know you have to go, and I've really been stealing your time, but I have one more. I've got a couple more questions. What about little boys? uh, 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 um, um, When uh, do they uh, circumcise? Do you circumcise, or do you wait? According to the Bible, it's eight days. I think they waited to the eighth day to circumcise because I think what vitamin K um, stop the clogging process. Okay, so I don't do circumcision because I believe that's mutilation. I leave it up. I ask the parents. Um, there are some families that the men don't want their sons circumcised, even if they were. Um, there are some families that want their male to be circumcised. So I'll say then you'll have to get to a pediatrician after the, It's usually the father that brings the child I tell the mother, we don't run out and try to take care of that. So if they want that, I will recommend that they see a pediatrician that will take on that mm-hmm. responsibility. But I don't, okay. I, on the other hand, don't do that. Now, what about the eyes? Now, I know in the hospital, once the baby's born, they start putting these drops and then they give them shots, uh, so many shots. Um, do I know we don't do vaccination shots and things like that once the babies are born, but what about the eye drops? Do you put the eye drops? Is that the standard procedure? The eye drops is eye bright. There's herbs. They're not the chemical that they put in the hospital. I put eye bright vegetable glycerin, um, and sometimes the mucus comes across the eyes, and I tell them that's cleansing. It's bringing things out. Sometimes there's no mucus. That comes out across the eye. So we drop the eye bright in the eyes, um, the corner of the eyes, and then across the eyelid so that it can get in and just 
keep the baby in a safe and healthy place. So, yes, I write. Now, are the baby washed? Because I was was heard that sometimes you don't even wash them right away. Um, You just let uh, whatever's on their skin stay for a couple days and just keep them wrapped to the mother. What do you do? Is that true, too? Um, Okay, so there's a couple of things that can be done. One is allowing, definitely allowing the vernix and the baby, because the babies are clean. On the whole, babies are clean. They don't come out dirty. They come out clean. So we wrap them, dress them, and um, but one of the things I like to do, their arms and extend their arms and take their legs and extend their legs. And if my hands are cold, when I rub it across their body, that helps stimulate them. They've been curled up. Um, and so it is good practice to open up their body by extending their arms and legs, not doing anything harsh, just kind of coming out of that fetal position just to give them a little stretch. Um, And then I check their bodies over from the head to the toe, the fontanelles down to the heels of their feet. I do um, a newborn assessment, um, looking at the symmetry, looking at their buttocks, looking at if it's a girl, the um, uh, labia to make sure the lips are open, make sure the vagina there's usually vernix in there, um, telling the mommies that can be rubbed in. So there is a process that comes through, and it's really uh, stimulating the baby and then also getting the baby then wrapped and put in the mommy's arm or daddy's arm, depending on if we're getting the placenta out. Well, you know, and I, every time I see a child, a baby being born, I cry. It's, it's, it's a, I cannot stop crying. I can watch it on television, a baby coming out. It's something about a baby being born that just brings it just brings tears to my eyes. And it's not a sad tear, it's a joyful tear. I'm like, Oh my god, it's so beautiful. You know, it's just a beautiful thing. And I truly believe we have to more appreciate that life that that we can carry as women and to nurture these children in a way, especially in our community, that how we speak to them the tone we talk to them, how we nurture our children, it's so important for us to do that. It is. It, it gives, <laughs> it's part of our communication and our exchange that we have. We're showing our love and it's unconditional. So it's, it's just part of who we are. This is, all, no matter what situation we're in, how things go, the beauty of the birth just overrides any other craziness that might be going on at the time. It is so sacred and so special that um, we can't help but feel all that love um, and the journey of this child that's coming forward. The family. It's the journey of the family also, not just the child. Exactly, exactly. I agree. It's a journey of the family, and we need to bring our families more together. And, and I know there's a lot of young people who, and, and men, um, that are stepping up to the plate and taking their responsibility to support their wives through childbirth, um, nurturing their children. Because, you know, in the days, men weren't even allowed to be in the waiting room or into the um, the room, delivery room at all. They had to be separated. And now we see more men being hands-on with delivery, raising their kids, nurturing their children, which I applaud. Yes. I enjoy it. I welcome it. And I'm in true gratitude that 
because the connection to family and the bond is really intact. In and so that's important. I, to me, that's, that is the whole thing of the birthing of the child is the connection of the family and everybody mm-hmm. kind of um, renewing um, their relationship uh, when this new one comes. So it's just a beautiful sight all over. Now, have you thought about writing a book or doing a video that to educate us about what you do so other women and young people can see this in its form? Um, have you ever thought about doing that, Nana? Yes, I've been asked. Um, I just need the time <laughs> to put forward. But, yes, I I keep things not only in my head but the experiences so I haven't decided how it's going to look, but I know it's going to be out there. It could be a teaching book as well. So, yes, that is in there. And then, thank you for saying that, a video. Um, they're going to be doing a documentary, and they are um, the Black Midwives Alliance. Um, they have um, interviewed the six grand midwives that are in Georgia. I'm not sure how many in Florida. And they are working on a documentary to honor traditional, to honor the midwifery through the different forms. So one of the uh, women, certified practicing midwives, the other ones are, I think most of us are traditional midwives. And so I don't know when the document, they're not finished. This was just um, them starting the interviewing stage. So they're supposed to be back in the fall. Um, to come back and, I guess, shadow us and follow us to do the documentary. So um, uh, that is... Please let me know when that document, because I will put you on blast, website, Facebook, (laughs) everything, because I want one. I want it, and I want people, just want everyone to see this, especially for the next generation. I really want them to... Learn how to nurture and bring forth these babies and have them healthy. I love that idea. So the, and you're going to I be a part it. of that. So I love that too. Look, I want you to, I know I, I took a lot of your time, but I want you to give people the information on how to reach you if they're interested in having a midwife for their family member, for themselves. How can they reach you? Well, they can reach me by phone. And my number is 404-557-2026, or they can email me. And the email is a little long. It's my last name. So it is O-P-I-O-S-N-D-A-E-Y-O at gmail.com. Those are the ways they can reach me. Um, and you just look for, um, you know, look in directories. There's the sister, S-I-S-T-A, sister black, I think it's sister black midwife directory. Um, you can go online. Um, I am Nana, N-A-N-A. Some people call me, um, Dr. City, um, because I'm a naturopath and some call me Nana. Dr. City, S-I-T-I-O-P-I-O. Um, so those are my names that I go by. And um, that are, are ways to reach out to me. 
You know, I I I'm learning so much, and uh, and I love the wisdom, and that you and I, I applaud. You know, God allows you to have your mother and your grandmother as nurturers and healers in your life that you can bring that energy that was transferred to you to us. And I just want to transfer what you know to everyday people, especially young ladies that I meet out here. And I see that a lot of these young ladies, they want healthy babies, but no one's telling them how. You know, eating some um, Cheetos, hot Cheetos and drinking soda pop while they're pregnant. And I, and I actually come, go up to them and say, you know what you're doing to the baby? Why are you eating this? Or if they're angry and they're fussing, I said, girl, why are you doing all that fussing? You're pregnant. That baby can hear this. You need to stay calm. And, and they all get it. They all get it. I know. Yes. I need to do better. I need to do better. And I know they want to do better. But That's we have correct. to have that. We have to have that mirror of women like yourself and like these women like the Midwife Alliance and have this information that they can get a hold of it and know it should be part of a package. And you know what? Once that um, documentary is finished, because part of my other business, Yesterday's Kitchen for Today, my labor of love class is to teach young women about doulas, midwives, how to eat while they're pregnant, before they're pregnant, and how to nurture their baby, food they feed their baby. And I would love for that documentary to be a part of my inventory for parents and people to purchase or buy or support you guys to learn how this is done and what it looks like when it's being done. Well, as soon as I know how things are moving and what that looks like, I will definitely let you know. All right? Yes. Now, what wisdom um, knowledge you want to leave? Because I know I, 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 you said 30 minutes, and I know I don't keep you. What do you want to leave our <laughs> listening audience with before I let you go with information um, for new mothers and fathers? And the important, not just for the woman to eat right, but for the father to eat right. So what do you want to leave us? What word of wisdom do you want to share with my listening audience that they're thinking about having a baby they want to be pregnant or just anything that you think is worthy for us to know? Well, first I would say we are given through our, our most highest form, and that's however you call that, whether you call it creator or God or have a specific name, we are given a gift of intuition. And, and our intuitive nature guides us and strengthens us. So I ask that families um, in the childbearing age, trust your intuition. And when you're sensing you need to not step in a place, then honor that. And when you're sensing you need to go and do the things that we have done that have kept us safe, then you take on that responsibility um, because you're given that with the sense that that is yours to have to guide you. So um, using your intuition and taking care of your family should be the top priority. And loving and honoring and being in gratitude for what you have, not what you don't have, Amen. Um, is, is special. All right? Girl, amen, amen. I love that. I love it. I thank you so much. I know you got a baby coming on you. I'm looking to get here soon, and you had some studying. But I'm truly, truly grateful for you taking out the time to share your knowledge, your wisdom, 
and I will help you back again if you can willing to come back. If the babies aren't busy, got you busy. I I will take you up on that offer, and um, we are good. I am in gratitude yes. to you, Marsha. Thank you for uh, asking me, okay, for being on the show. All right. You know, I, I'm 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 willing to sit at your feet and learn as much as I can. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, I'm going to come back with a break. Uh, this is Marcia Patterson with the DR Network for your health, and we'll be right back.
right, you're back with the DRN Network. I'm your host, Marcia Fattison. I want to thank you. Uh, I had Nettie on th- th- earlier, and we talked about uh, childbirth. She's a midwife, and just want to talk about some of the issues that um, young ladies go through when they're having a baby, some things to look out for. Now, if you're thinking about want to have a baby, we want people to have this information to make some right choices for themselves as well as for their family. And how do you choose to deliver your baby by either by doctor or by midwife, which is right for you? So you make these choices. You heard Nettie speak. She's been doing this for many, many years and um, part of the Black Midwife Alliance. Uh, also, midwives have studied, she has studied many, many years, and some of these midwives now, they get certified, they can be nurses, and they can be certified as a midwife, too. They can be a registered nurse that is also certified um, midwife. I think the advantage of midwife over doctors, you know, you look at what's best for you. Doctor care, um, with the doctor's care, you have office visits. That office visit may just be about 30 minutes or less depending on the doctor. Also, that visit may be interrupted with an emergency or childbirth. So a lot of times you don't get a chance to spend a lot of quality time with your doctor. That time frame is limited as your discussion and uh, information that you want to share with them. Unless you've got a little list that you go in with the doctor's office uh, maybe to address those issues, Again, you don't have the time frame. Uh, the doctor may not have that time frame. And um, the doctor is trained about 12 years in medical school uh, to become a doctor and OB by, OBGYN um, certified as a doctor. So those are the things that you can do. look for a doctor. The doctor can help you doing the emergency surgery. The doctor can help with C-section if that happens to be happening. But midwives care is the pregnancy, the pregnancy, the labor, after birth, and helping with you with the new baby, um, the care for the child, showing you how to nurture that child, breastfeeding, the things that happen way when you're home by yourself and you're not knowing how to stop the baby from crying or the baby has hiccup or the baby has gas and not knowing what to do. You get you with a midwife, you constantly get that 24-7 care um, with a midwife to help you through this and the family through this. And not only that, you have that care where they come into your home and sit down with you. And, and as Nanny says, she normally spends about two hours with the family and having these hours. And uh, some midwives, it's an hour or, or longer. So depending on what's going on, um, you can have that midwife to meet your needs, not just your needs, but the family needs also. The advantage of a midwife is that she comes to you. Um, Nanny says she only does home delivery. And um, nowadays they have hospitals. You have birthing center, and I didn't know the birthing centers were owned by physician, but that makes sense now. Uh, at the birthing centers now they do, and they have those birthing centers that are very elaborate looking, look like a regular bedroom, uh, you can shower, and they have tubs, and they some of them may have birthing stools. I'm not sure on that one, but some of them they have birthing stools. So that way you can kind of take a look at that um, for you and your family and see what's best. Um, 
midwife, um, you know, with a uh, midwife, she's not going to rush you through your labor. They want you to be in tune to your body and to allow the baby to make that time to come. Whereas a doctor, if you're in labor too long, they will go ahead and do a cesarean or a C-section and I mean a C-section and take the baby. And there's no rush with a midwife. And as you heard, Nanny said three days. Oh my goodness! I hope that wasn't three days hard labor for the young lady who was going through that. With a doctor, they won't wait because they have a time frame, so they will go ahead and take the baby. So, as you said, midwife, they're supporting you 24-7, um, helping you through any situation, even family through the situation. And, and even the men um, educating the whole family, the moms, the grandparents, and great-grandparents. Disadvantage um, uh, with midwives, um, she's not really had no birth complications, but if there is one, um, you need to check with your midwife to see if they have a doctor that they can transfer you to in case there is some medical reason that they need to see a doctor. So um, have that conversation and say, okay, if there's some medical condition that go wrong, um, is there another doctor I need to be a part of or have their number as a backup in case something happens? Uh, I know in the birthing center they do have that where the doctors, now that makes sense, and as she mentioned that they own the facilities, yes, that they'd be able to come in and assist during any emergency. But um, midwives don't tend to have those uh, emergencies. They um they don't have uh, C-sections, um, well, sincerians. Some of them have not had that problem. Well, Nettie hasn't because she said they wait for the baby to decide when they get there. Um, the cost, we talked about the cost and the cost. So you would have to call her or you can do some searching on the web. Or, again, Midwife Alliance Program information and be in touch with them and have a conversation if your family's looking or you know someone is interested in doing this and finding out the cost and balance that cost off for health insurance. A lot of people don't have their jobs um, now or don't have health care. And as she said earlier, many people are afraid or concerned about going to the hospital with COVID-19. So if you know that your delivery date is not until maybe March of next year and the cost for midwife may be $7,000, I don't know, I'm just putting a number out there, you can just divide that and start saving the money and putting away each month to pay for your midwife of what that cost is going to be. And I think in the long run you will benefit from um, having someone there. Um, many women say they like midwives. Um, at the One lady said she had a midwife at the birthing center, and the doctor was ready to do a cesarean and a C-section, and she said the midwife convinced him to wait because she said she did not have the strength or the endurance to stand up to the doctor to say, no, I want to wait because she was fearful that maybe waiting would put the baby at jeopardy and that they're going to cause the baby a heart problem or things like that. And she said that the midwife was there to calm her down, to make her know that her blood pressure, everything was normal, the heartbeat was normal. Okay, let's just wait. We'll wait for the baby. 
and she was able to convey that message to the doctor without fear or being intimidated or being bullied into going in and having C-section. So she said she was truly, truly grateful because she did not want it to be cut on. She wanted to have a natural birth. So that, that midwife is um, there to allocate and help you. And um, midwives believe that the childbirth is a normal part of life and that the body knows what's happening and that you should allow that body to experience that. Um, let's see here. One thing I think was really interested in uh, was Patricia Lofman's comment is that midwives protect the women in a system that is very hostile to them. I know my daughter was giving birth, my oldest daughter was giving birth to my granddaughter, who's now 21. She'll be 22 at the end of this year. And when she was complaining about um, not being able to breathe and having different chest pain and stuff like that, um, they weren't listening. And they weren't listening. And it wasn't until the father, um, the dad, um, had to take his voice in a certain way, and it was come to find out was the medication they were giving her that was causing her to have the problem. But she said they weren't listening to her at all. And another thing, she said that um, she felt bad. Um, the nurse came in and said, "Okay, we, uh, you look like you're ready. You're dilating. You look like you're ready. We're gonna. Do you want an epidural?" She said, "No, I don't want an epidural. You don't want an epidural? No, I don't want an epidural." So my daughter said the nurse walked out the room, uh, come back 10 minutes later. You sure you don't want an epidural? No, I don't want an epidural. This is my last time telling you. Do you want this epidural? She said, no. And as I'm thinking back, my conversation with Natty, and she said they charge you for everything. So my daughter not wanted to take the epidural. And I didn't take the epidural when I had three of my children. I did. I just didn't want that Um that each time, and I didn't even know when it's putting the baby on the chest, coming in and monitoring the baby, your your medical bill is going up, 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 and up, and up. So we want mothers and fathers to make the right choices based on their needs and the needs of their family. And the father is being educated. The mothers is being educated. Everyone is being educated about the baby, how to nurture that baby, how to care for that baby. And the questions that you may have, a lot of times you're in that doctor's office for only 30 minutes and you'll walk out and say, oh, man, I meant to ask him about this. Or I was going to say this. Or, wait a minute, he he said this, but I wasn't quite clear. That's where those midwives come in and give you that information and share with you and be that advocate, be that voice for you. if you want, and now hospitals do have um, midwives. Some hospitals do have midwives, uh, nurses, registered nurses. But again, like she said, they're associated with the doctor, and they're associated with making money because being in the hospital and having these babies is a business. And I guess to doing my research with this, I was really, really, really um, blown away on how um, the black midwives in the early years and in the Egyptian, because you go back in the Bible uh, when Pharaoh wanted uh, the midwives to kill all the uh, the baby boys um, and they was afraid of God and they said, no, we're not doing that, you know. So they just said to the Pharaoh, look, the Egyptian women have their babies fast. By the time we get there, the baby's been delivered. So 
midwives have been throughout centuries, and during the uh, segregation time when blacks weren't allowed into the hospitals, and many people couldn't afford to go to hospitals, midwives took that place and gave birth to babies. And um, Georgia, and she mentioned that Georgia is going to be putting a documentary together. So once we get that information, we'll bring that to everyday people so they can get this information. But midwives, we're black midwives, and they demonize us, um, the black midwives, to make them uneducated, uh, stupid women, dirty, uh, uh, unprofessional, and they couldn't be able to, and they've been doing this. And now it came back in the 70s, and the Caucasian women are dominating the midwives, and now we slowly have a big population of uh, African-American women are now um, becoming midwives, which we... Um, want to support because African-American women are dying much at a higher rate in childbirth today in 2020 than record before. Um, they're indicating that 40, 45 points, uh, was it 42.5% of African-American women are dying in childbirth or 12.7, I think it was, or something like that, of the Caucasian women were dying in childbirth. Sweden, um, Denmark, and France oversee 75% of their babies are born by midwives. In the U.K., midwives deliver half the babies. I'm just going to repeat this again. And in the United States, less than 10% of the babies being born here are due midwives. For the country that has used um, more midwives, mortality rate of babies are much, much, much lower. Denmark, the per 1,000, um, Sweden is 4.4, Denmark is 4.2, France is 7.8, the U.K. is 9.2, and the United States, 26.4%. We're losing. And that was a, 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 lunch, a lunch report back in 2015. We've got to do better and take care of ourselves, women and men your wives, your children, uh, your daughters, my daughters, 40, okay, the number four, um, I had the wrong number, it's 43.5 black uh, women die, percent of black women die in childbirth each year, and 12.7 for uh, the Caucasian women here in the United States. So we want uh, women to have healthy babies, and I know from following Natasha Campbell McBride, on the GAP diet and um, labor of love, which is one of the part of my business with yesterday's kitchen for today. We're still working on the website. But um, that labor of love class is teach young women the food we can prepare to eat, and the men, before we're pregnant, while we're pregnant, the vitamins, the, the healthy omega-3, the cow liver oil, the healthy fats, uh, organic farm-raised egg with the egg yolk, which is a deep orange, which is very, very healthy to eat while you're pregnant because the baby brain is developing. So you want to eat these foods, going to develop healthy, strong babies and their minds being alert and smart and eating the healthy fats because we need those fats. And, you know, um, there's an old uh, Sally Fallon, Fallon has a book on good fat, bad fat, and that is talking about the fats to every last one of us, we're mammals. We need these fats for our brains, our heart, our joints, our liver. Everything needs these healthy fats. So, and that's important for us to have. So, 
that's part of what we do here at For Your Help Blog Talk Radio is to bring this information to everyday people. And not only that, if you hear this information, share it. Uh, Post it on your Facebook page. Share it with other family, friends, and um, so other people can know. My thing, I don't know what the United States is going to look like five years or ten years, and I keep saying this, and that it's important for us to have these everyday skills and knowledge on how to take care of ourselves in the least expensive inexpensive way and possibly be done because we don't want to be spending a lot of money and I truly believe food prices and home prices and rent is going up. So we need to be able to save money and keep ourselves healthy so we're not in the hospital or not getting sick or stuck on medication for the rest of our lives. So For Your Health Blog Talk show was designed to bring this information so you and your family can make wise decisions about your health and the direction on how that is accomplished. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Um, Yolanda Ann, you know, guys, I keep playing her song, but I really love her. So um, I'm going to be ready. Going to be ready. Lana Adams, we'll be right back.
right, you're back with the DR Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson. Today we were talking about midwives, but I just want to give you guys some numbers. Um, it says here, it's from the CDC National Vital Statistic Report, that infant mortality rate has failed for all groups and shifted to age of women giving birth accounts for about one-third decline from 2000 to 2017. According to the report, infant death rate dropped 16% for women ages 30 to 39, 12% for women 40 and older, and the report found that the rate has dropped for babies born to women under the age of 29 by only uh, 8 to 9%. Uh, what is still shocking is that we still have uh, 22,000 infant mortality rates before babies before their first birthday. Um, black women is the rate of twice, and we have already heard that. And we really want to know how to change that. And I truly believe is being healthy, eating healthy food, um, your environment, your mental as well as your emotional state can help us to have healthy babies. Um, I can't wait for the movie, for the uh, documentary to come out, but I'm really sharing this information because this is 2020, and we should not, with all the medical and science and stuff that we have, we should be able to have healthy babies and have healthy moms that be able to raise their families because, you know, you see so many, so many grandmas, uh, family members have to take on that journey alone without the mom. And I know that's pretty sad, but um, it takes a village. And the village uh, here at For Your Help is to bring information and knowledge that we can make sure we can have the moms and the babies alone to live here for a long time and live out their purpose in their life that God has designed for them to have. All right, uh, yesterday's kitchen for today. Um, I'll be coming on hopefully next month uh, bringing more information about uh, our webinar that we're going to be doing. Uh, young ladies helping me. Her name is Marsha also to make everything crazy. Marsha Dixon and Marsha Patterson, the two M's, coming together to bring healthy nutritional information um, on how we can survive just like our grandparents and great-grandparents survived the Great Depression. We'll be able to survive whatever's going to happen here with COVID-19, with job closing. We can survive, and we can come together as a nation, as a people, as a community to help each other to be more healthier. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, that's what I'll be bringing up again next week. Uh, I think we got another midwife coming back. I got to double check that um, to see what we're going to be doing here for next week. But it's going to be information that's going to be great um, for us to know how to take care of ourselves because that is my mission. Our my company's tagline is putting the power of good health back into the hands of the people. It's what we put in our hands and uh, also what we put inside inside of us it has profound effect on our health the health of our families and our children and our mental state. I know this COVID-19 stay-at-home order, um, many people are losing their minds staying at home, um, family members. Uh, we talked about abuse, uh, um, emotional depression, 
people are really, really depressed and anger. But as I mentioned before, and I think Nettie talked about that, she doesn't hardly wear a mask. I only put the mask on if the store requires it. But it really makes me crazy. It really makes me crazy because it don't make sense to me because it's the outside. The immune system is in the inside, and this COVID-19, like Lorraine Day and some other ladies I've talked with, this um, COVID-19 is the flu on steroids. So we build up our immune system so our body can defend itself. Yes, washing your hands is good. That should have always been good. That should have always been in practice. And I know as an adult, and I've worked in many factories and I've worked in corporate office in the past, and I've watched some grown adults walk into a bathroom and use the bathroom and walk out without washing their hands. And I'm serious. And these are adults. And when you're in a working environment, and they barely washing their hands or just throw it under some water or don't wash it at all. So CDC and the government telling us to wash your hands, to me, is crazy. I mean, that's normal protocol. And wearing the mask, um, if they say that's what you're supposed to do, hey, but to me it just don't make sense because the mask weakens your immune system. And I really feel bad for people who are stuck wearing that all day at work. And so what I really want to encourage people to do is please try to go and get some sunlight, uh, make sure you take your probiotics, build up your immune system, take things that eat food that's going to build up your immune system, which is fermented food, your probiotics, the key for um, food, and making sure you stay healthy. And then, two, if the gates keep, keep the gates to your body clean, and that's your ears, your nose, and your mouth, because bacteria enter through your eyes and that kind of thing, too. So, you know, with me, if this bacteria is a live bacteria that's in the air, I clean out my nostrils with some hydrogen peroxide, dip a Q-tip and just kind of swab my nose and gargle and clean my ears out with it. So any bacteria that's trying to enter into that way, that's clean. But what's important to me is inside the immune system. If that immune system is well and it's taking care of you, I truly believe that the creator has put that immune system in our body to defend us. So the best way to defend yourself, I truly believe, is to like build up the immune system, drink plenty healthy water, get the minerals in you, and I truly believe God will do the rest. I just want to say um, we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back. Never would have made it. Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. But now I see how you were there for me. And I can say, never would have made it. Never could have made it without I would have lost it all, but now I see how you were there for me, and I can say I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm better. 
Somebody just need to testify to something next to him. Tell him, I'm strong. I'm wise. I'm better. Much better. When I look back over what he brought me through, I realize I made it because I had you to hold on to. Now I'm stronger. Now I'm wiser. I'm better. So much better. I made it. Is there anybody in this house other than me that could declare you made it? Tell your neighbor, never would have made it. Tell them, never could have made it. Oh, I wish I had some help here. I wish I had just two or three people. That would just declare it. Never would have made it. Never could have made it. I just, I just love to encourage myself. Sometimes I just look in the mirror and say, I'm strong. I'm wise, I am better, so much better, when I look back over what he brought me through, I realize I made it, because I had you to hold on to, but I never would have made it, I never could have made it. Back on the DR Network, this is Marcia Patterson, your host. I just want to thank you if you're listening. Um, I want to invite you to my uh, Facebook page, Yesterday's Apostrophe S, the number, um, Yesterday's Kitchen, the number four today. Check me out on Facebook, and you'll be able to get the previous recording of this and other recordings that I have done and other events that's going to be coming up with my business, Yesterday's Kitchen, for today. I really feel the urgency and um, of us being able to take care of ourselves, grow our own food, know how to make food our medicine, how to live healthy, and to teach these skills to our children and grandchildren because we have, like I said, I have no clue what tomorrow holds for our country, but it's our responsibility 
to be able to teach and teach our children how to take care of themselves. We teach them to leave the stove alone, not to play with both ways. We tell them that, you know, um, don't be um, hitting other people, just giving them different rules of life and how to be respectful, how to be nice. Uh, We also need to teach them how to take care of themselves, and uh, that's our job here at Yesterday's Kitchen for the Day and for your health is to educate and bring these natural things to our forefront that we can learn from and know how to take care of ourselves. So please check out my Facebook page, Yesterday's S Kitchen for today. And um, we'll just see here. Let's see what else. That's about it. I just want everybody to have a blessed week and make it safe and be blessed um, because um, the election is coming up. I don't know whoever the Holy Spirit leads you to vote for, vote. And I just want everybody to vote, get out and vote. And I want people to uh, be aware of treating each other nice and respectful, whether they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Build up your immune system so your body can take care of it. Everyone have a blessed week. Um, and talk to you next week. Thank you. Cause it rained on your parade Seems nobody cares About you anyway Now you're living your life Like a castaway Search for strength and time Was it all in vain Cause the deeper you dig You find more and more pain Don't let your tomorrow Be like yesterday Cause I'm booked to God I called out your name And on your behalf
have you to do. 